Roses are red. Violets are too. I'm colorblind. How about you? Oh. <laughs> Roses are red. Here's something new. Violets are violet. They're not freaking blue. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's good. Roses are red. Violets are red. Everything's red. Holy crap, the garden's on fire. (laughs) Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Edith. We're backyard gardeners from Colorado. And neighbors. And friends. These days, gardening has gotten very popular. And we've noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips. A fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down Tulips. Hello, Christy. Hi, Edith. Hello, listeners. Hi, everybody. We're very, very excited because we have hit what? 10,000 downloads. So we have you guys to thank, and we do from the bottom of our hearts. Unbelievable. Thank you you so much. So we're going to celebrate today by talking about roses. Roses. The, the, yes, the plant roses. But before we get into that, we need to do some, some particular thank yous to our garden party, correct? Yes. Thank you very much to Chris and Anna for being part of our garden party and helping us continue with this podcast. And if you want to join the party, just go to our website at www.upsidedowntulips.com and you can learn all about what it means to become a supporter of Upside Down Tulips and get some fun rewards. That's a good idea. And okay, so speaking of rewards, uh, what's going on in your garden? Well, I have a lot blooming right now, Edith. Uh huh. I have my choke cherry right now is in full bloom. I saw that when I came in. It is so beautiful. Did you smell it when you walked by too? Yes. It has the best smell. Yeah. Of course, I never get jam out of it because the robins always get to it. So I have a very beautiful bird feeder. But I sure enjoy the blooms and I enjoy the flowers like that the robins like it too. So Yeah, and you know, once the robins get full on that, they'll eat some insects that might otherwise be chewing on your plants. It's a good deal. Good deal indeed. My lilac is in bloom right now. Uh-huh. So that's pretty, that's really nice too. They're right next door to each other. And I'm almost done eating with my garden clean out. Oh, good. Good, good. I just had that really tough section, which has a lot of that creeping bluebell in it. Oh, yeah. I, I know all about that. <laughs> yeah. But you just dig and dig and dig, and you uh-huh. can never get it out. Did so. you weed today? Because today was one of those perfect days for weeding because it's rained so much, and yet it wasn't really soggy. So I did a lot of weeding today. Oh, I'm jealous. I didn't yeah. get up. But hopefully I will get out tomorrow. I did go to the nursery, and I bought a lot of plants, Edith. Did you really need like, more plants, Christy? I felt like a kid in the candy store. Well, I had to get new geraniums because I killed my geraniums from oh, last year. Oh, yes, yes, and yes. And also, some of my winter sowing vegetables, some of my starters didn't work. So I I bought some eggplant and Good. some broccoli uh-huh. and some peppers. And, of course, I bought tomatoes. Yeah. I did not buy zucchini, but I'm temp- I may have to go back. You know, you can just direct some. sow that if you like. That's true. I, I always direct sow zucchini if I don't make my own seedling. They catch up in no time. I am also trading some plants. So I have a lot of plants to give away. So I went on a Facebook group and I just said for free or trade. And I was giving away ornamental grasses and herbs and some perennials. 
and of course lamb's ear, which we we always have a lot of. And it's just great when people say, yeah, I'll take some lamb's ear. Yeah. One person's trash is another person's treasure. Uh-huh. And in exchange, Edith, I got some really interesting plants. Like what? Well, first of all, I got some more salvia, okay. which is, it's part of the mint family, and it has densely packed flowers that with tubular blossoms on it. Usually they're a dark, dark purple, and uh, they have very velvety leaves. And they're extremely hardy. I mean... They're hard to kill. And drought tolerant. Mm-hmm. They're everything. But they hate being moved. And I tell you, when I got them, they were mad. I could just feel the anger seeping out could of these you? plants. <laughs> but fortunately, uh, I had two great holes to put them in. Uh-huh. So folks, Edith and I were doing a little photo shoot. We were walking around the yard going, what should we do? Oh, let's trim some roses. Let's show people. Let's dig some holes. So I um, I had Edith dig a hole where I knew I wanted to put some plants. So yeah. thanks for that really lovely hole that you dug. You're welcome. Put them in. What are friends for? The ground was just perfect for it. And with all that rain we had, uh-huh. they are perking back up. Oh, good, good, good. I also got some bee balm. Oh, nice. Do you have any of that? No. This is also part of the mint family, and it's a perennial flower. Um, And, you know, mint usually will have a square stem. Isn't that interesting? Oh, that is interesting. And it has um, opposing leaves that go up to the top, and it has like a little puffball, a spiky puffball. Uh And this one's going to be a bright pink. Uh And it can spread with rhizomes underneath the soil like mint. So this person who gave it to me said, oh, I have a lot of these. And I said, well, I'll take them because I don't have any, and I think that'll be great. Maybe someday I'll be having too many. Now, Christy, speaking of bee bomb, have you seen any bees so far? Yeah. Good. Oh, good. I've seen two. Okay. I've only seen counting? two. And uh, I, I've seen some concern on about it on Facebook gardeners' pages. Oh. So that's why I ask you. Well, maybe the bee bomb will help. I think so, Yeah. Another plant I got, which I had never heard of before, Edith, is called a Maximilian sunflower. Oh. And this is a native perennial sunflower. Have you ever heard of a perennial sunflower before? No, no, I have not. I got a picture of it to show you. You can see that it gets to be three to six feet tall. Wow. And it has yellow and gold sunflowers all the way over to it. And the leaves are sort of look like lily leaves. You know how they... Uh Uh-huh. Kind of circle up all the way so, along. did you plant it already? I'm about to. I cannot wait to see if that thing makes it and what it looks like. Well, it was named for the naturalist Prince Maximilian of Germany. I thought you'd find that interesting with your German heritage. Who led an expedition into the American West in the 1830s. And this plant is drought tolerant, likes full sun, and thrives in moist clay-like soil. Hello, Colorado wow. soil. Wow. And it's also really good in fields because it's good for animals can eat it and it has a lot of seeds on it. Well, speaking of which, if it's a beautiful plant, I will love to have some seeds from it from you. Stay tuned. I will we'll stay stick tuned. it in the ground. i got to find the right spot for it because I think this will be a spreader. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. And I also wanted to share, do you know, Edith, that May 19th is World Plant a Vegetable Garden Day. No, I did not know so that. So I'm going to get my vegetable garden in. By World Plant Vegetable Garden Day. Good. And everybody else out there does that too. Yeah, very good. And what about you, Edith? How's your garden doing? Well, it's doing good. Um, th- okay, three things. I only have three things. The broccoli that I winter sowed, as per your instructions, I put them into the ground. And they look good. 
Great. They they look good. And don't forget, folks, this is a way of outdoor seed starting that you can do in milk jugs. Just check out episode 25. Yeah. Take out your jugs and learn how to winter sow. And you can still do it. Technically, it's not winter sowing. Right. It's spring sowing. But I'm still going to do some spring sowing of annuals in my milk jugs. But once you do it, you don't have to worry about it. You can leave them outside. Check them once in a while and water them. That's all you have to do. And they look great. And this time of year, Edith, can I just say that yeah. if they, if they look dry or they look like, like a dry brownie mix, they need water. Yeah. So water them until they look like wet brownie mix. And then depending upon where you live, just keep an eye on the temperatures. If, if wherever you are, if it gets into the low 30s and you already have sprouts and seedlings, uh-huh. you may want to consider giving them a light cover so they won't freeze up. I did that once. Yep. I did that once. And also that's how I tell if they need water. If I don't see water droplets on the inside, right away I know, up, oh, got to water these guys. So I did that. Um, I direct sowed leek for the first time. It's up. I can't, I did it almost as a challenge to myself. It's up. How many days? Oh, like it's been a while. It's a while. It's been like three weeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. But I couldn't but up. believe that I could do that. And then, remember I said, I think last week I have like 40 volunteer lettuces? Yes, your well, army, your army of lettuce. Well, my uh, daughter and I counted them today, and the army has grown to, we stopped counting at 100. <gasps> so apparently I have a lettuce farm a lettuce farm in my backyard. Yes. Over 100 You're lettuce You're a farmer now, I'm Edith. a farmer. But does this apply to, like, if you have extra produce, you can give it to a food pantry, can't you? I can give it to a food pantry. I can give it to you. I can give it to my neighbors. Because, folks, I didn't sow any of this. This, I let the plant go to seed, and it has those little cotton puffs on it. And it the west, you could tell it was a west wind, because it went from the <laughs> west all the way up to my house, many feet away. Or maybe the lettuce is starting to invade your house. Maybe it has a plan that it's going to just creep oh. up and go inside like oh. Little Shop of Horrors. Okay, like Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Just keep an eye on it, I would. I, I will. I'm going to keep an eye on it because the Army has way outclassed me now. <laughs> Lots of salad at your house. Every day. I said to my daughter, we have to eat two salads a day for the rest of the summer. Well, folks, if you hear words or terms you're not familiar with or you want a good laugh, check out the Upside Down Dictionary on our website at UpsideDownTulips.com. You can also click on the link in our show notes. We've got blog posts there, too. And while you're there, why not sign up for our newsletter where you can get updates, jokes, funny garden signs. This week's garden sign is pretty funny. What is it? It was a sign in front of a garden that says, this is the awning of the cage of asparagus. I saw that. That is so brilliant. <laughs> see, guys, you get to see stuff like that. Just just visit us. And if you want to see more than that, like pictures of our gardens and whatnot, visit us on Facebook, Pinterest. And don't forget, we have a YouTube channel. That's right. Edith, Christy, what a lovely party. Thank you. No, thank you for being an attic tomato. Without your patronage, I don't know if we could keep on making upside-down tulips. Cake? It's my home-baked chocolate ganache. (gasps) That looks delicious. Cheesy drips? Um, no. Thank you, though. 
Of course, you couldn't keep going without us. People need affirmation and money. Money's good. Yes, it is. Thank you, curmudgeons, for your support. Cake. Gimme cake. And cheesy drinks? Get that away from me. Okay. Edith, did you make those cheesy drips? No, I got them at the store. I had a coupon. Dude, I'll have a cheesy dribs. I knew I could count on the deadheaders. Here you go. Let's raise a glass to the deadheaders and to the lawn chair lettuces. We truly appreciate all levels of support. I just joined the garden party. I love the tips and tricks the podcast gives everybody. I can't believe I'm gardening, but I am. With your help, of course. Dudes, look behind you. It's Mother Nature. Hello. Mother Nature here. Everybody, a round of applause for Mother Nature. You're the reason we do upside-down tulips. And I appreciate it so, ladies. Far too often, I've been ignored, pushed aside in a take-paradise-and-put-up-a-parking-lot sort of way. Cheesy drips? Don't be a lime quat. Okay, I'll take that as a no. Listeners, we'd love you to join our garden party. Curmudgeons, lawn chair lettuces... Deadheaders, Attic Tomatoes, or Mother and Father Nature. Support at any level keeps us going, and you get thank you gifts. We could send them cheesy drips. And we promise that will never happen. Oh. And now it's time for a thorny subject, Edith. Uh Uh-oh, we're talking about roses, aren't we? Roses. I was attacked by the thorns on my roses this very day. As I was trying to finally prune them, you said, wait, 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 wait. And I figured it out. It looked, part of it looked so dead. That really hurts. You know, I would rather grow something that's not going to hurt me and take so much damn care. Yeah, roses can be controversial. I think either people love them or they hate them. I'm not going to say hate, but I'm going to say not a fan of, like, as if I were from Minnesota. That's very nice. I'm going to say I love them. Um, did you know, Edith, that roses are one of the oldest flowers in the world? Well, I recently was reading about them. Is this what I found out that it dates back to more than 7,000 years ago and their popularity has never faded and the oldest record is from China? I can give you one even older than 7,000 years ago. What is that? That they found a fossil of a rose discovered in Colorado. And they determined that that rose had existed for more than 35 million years. Oh, come on. So even the dinosaurs had to put up with the thorns. <laughs> Don't they have enough problems being that big? But they loved, they, the, the Tyrannosaurus rexes like to gather them with their tiny little arms. With their tiny, they reach you with their tiny little arms. Ow, 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 it's picking me, it's pricking me. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, that is really actually cool to get all serious about the roses. I also thought you'd be interested to know that the oldest living rose is a thousand years old. Oh, that's not true. Is in it? Germany. So it's a, like a rose bush? Yes. Oh, come on. And even in World War II, when this cathedral in Germany was bombed and all the rose canes died, the rose came back. What a strong plant. A thousand years. That plant has been living for a thousand years at Hildesheim Cathedral in Germany. Wow. 
Wow. I'm starting to respect the rose now. I'm respecting the rose. Okay? Respect the rose. Respecting the rose. Um, I have found out that there are more than 11,000 existing varieties of hybrid roses. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, thank God, because, you know, I didn't want to do all this double research. Anyway, I did find that out. And I found out one other interesting thing, and then you can take it from here, which is that it takes 10,000 pounds of rose petals to make one liter of rose oil, which is one of the most widely used components in perfume. How many? 10,000? 10,000 pounds of rose petals. Wow. Yeah. To make one liter, a liter's like a quart. Well, I have that, in addition to that wonderful little bit of fun fact, that the rose is the United States national flower. I did not know that. In 1986, Ronald Reagan declared the rose the national flower emblem while he was standing, guess where? In the rose garden. Yes, <laughs> one of the most famous rose gardens in the world. The most expensive rose cost $5 million to breed it, and it was bred by the famous rose breeder, David Austin. He created the rose called the Juliet, and this rose is a peachy pink, and it looks like a peony. Wow. And it recently sold for $15.8 million in 2006. One plant or? I think you would consider this to be the copyright of the plant. Okay, okay, the copyright. Okay, good, good. Okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, it's a shame that growing roses can intimidate a lot of gardeners. Yeah, I'm a little intimidated by it, to be, to be truthful. I don't think they're the divas that people think they are. They have very few... Uh, likes and dislikes. And once a rose gets established, it could live for a thousand years. Wow. Once it's there. I have roses at my house, and some of them I think might even be original to my house, which is 1932. Wow. And and it survives drought. They survive hail. They come back year after year after year, as long as I make sure to feed them. That's amazing. Uh, there are Groups, different types of roses. Should we talk about those? Yes, please. Well, the most common would be the hybrid tea rose. And these are these tall, long-stemmed roses that people use for cutting. And they are usually the kind you get from a florist. And in the garden, they're often featured as single specimens. I have a hybrid tea rose. I have a peace rose. That's a hybrid tea rose? Mm -hmm. Oh, Okay. And oh, I've noticed it's not a bush. It's not climbing. It's just one thing. Yes. With that beautiful, and tell, tell what it does, the changing of the color and whatnot. It'll start off by being a pale white. It'll turn to a cream, then a yellow, and then the edges will turn pink. And I think we've talked about this before, but this is the rose that was named to commemorate the end of World War II. And it was developed by their French horticulturalist, Francis Milan. And when he saw the Germans coming into France, he started sending cuttings of this rose to his friends in Italy, Turkey, and Germany, and the U.S. to protect the rose. Wow. And I just, I just had this fantasy, like, my, my house was built in 32, that maybe this rose came over. Nice. Just after World War II, you know, in the 40s, and it's been there since then. Nice. That maybe that rose has been there longer than I've been alive. Another kind of rose is the Florabunda. And these are roses that were developed in the 1900s, and they're shorter and they bloom more freely than the hybrid tea rose. So if the hybrid tea rose was really um, 
developed just for the bloom of the flower. But yeah. after the flower blooms, it's kind of a weird looking plant. Uh huh. It's just all thorny. Yes, very thorny. And brown. Mm-hmm. A floribunda will be more bushy and will have more blooms and will rebloom for you. Ah, that would have changed everything for Sleeping Beauty. After that is the grandiflora, which is kind of a combination of the hybrid and the floribunda. And after that is the climber, also known as the rambling rose. I have about eight or so climbing roses at my house. They don't really climb in the way that ivy does. They Uh have to be trained. And they have long canes. Some of the canes in my roses can be 15 feet long. Wow. I made a big mistake with, I have one climbing one, mm-hmm. but I planted it next to, this was so dumb, the clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> so I hang out my clothes. I got to be careful because the, the canes yeah. will rip my clothes. And then it has nowhere to climb except up this one pole. So I just keep, what do you call it, pruning it back every year. You and know, it survives. Let's take a look at it. Eat it because the best way for flowers to happen yeah. on a climber is for them to be trained horizontally. You're kidding. If they go up, they won't have as many flowers. So you want them to grow up and to the side. Oh, wow. So I maybe no you idea. just need a little way to train it, okay. like a little fence to train it so it won't get up near your clothes. Okay. Uh, I have pink and red in the front yard. And one year I got a, a new um New trellis for all of these climbing roses. Yeah. And when they're all in bloom, it's stunning. I bet it is. One day, I look out the window, and I see this woman out front taking pictures. And she's in the lawn, and she's taking pictures. And I'm like, what is this? What are you taking pictures of my house for? And I kind of like, you know, get myself all up and I walk out the door and I give you one of yourself those, in a get off my lawn moment. Yes, and sort of one of those passive aggressives, may I help you type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she got all flustered and embarrassed. She says, I'm so, so sorry, but I was passing this house and I saw these roses in bloom and I couldn't help but take a picture. I wanted to show them to my husband. So this is the kind of fence that I wanted to. And then I was like, well, come on over. <laughs> Let me show you how well, you I are. I certainly <laughs> hope you had a moment of shamefacedness. I did. Oh, I did. I was so embarrassed. And then you got all gracious. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Um, and okay, and now after climbers, you can also have a shrub or a landscape rose. Uh-huh. And these are really low maintenance. They may tend to sprawl wide and large, and they can be between 5 and 15 feet in every direction. But shrub roses are great because they can withstand harsh winters, and they're very cold hardy. And they can bloom again and again and again. And you can treat them like a hedge if you want to. Well, you could make them as a, instead of a security fence. Yes. Yes, exactly like Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> and then finally, we have the miniature. Mini, I have two miniatures. You do? I do. And they come back for you? They do, yeah. Well, see, this makes you feel better. I've had miniature, several yeah. miniature, and I have killed, killed, killed them. Oh, my goodness. See? You should ignore them like I ignore mine. Nice. You take too much care. That's what it I can, is. Yeah, that could be. It could very well be. Um, they'll be, you, when you get a rose, you can get them in two different ways. One is you can get it in a container, which is in a pot, which is the easiest way because they're easy to plant and establish quickly. They'll be a bit more expensive mm-hmm. if you get a container. Um, but it does allow you to plant it whenever you want to. And you probably it, have a yeah, better chance yeah, of success. Yeah, no pressure. Mm-hmm. The other kind is the bare root, 
It's like a strawberry, huh? You can do yeah, the same exactly. thing with a strawberry, okay. And the advantages of a bare root is that you get a greater selection. There's a lot of varieties available, and they're going to be cheaper, and you can order them online. But unlike container roses, they need to have their roots soaked overnight before planting. And also, the roots have to be kept moist for the first few months after you plant them. So you got to water them all the time? Yeah. Okay, good to know. I have, I've gone to the big box store and bought a bunch of root, bare root plants. Yeah. And was going to plant this large rose garden in did a house in Minnesota. Did you do to them what you did to your tomatoes? Did you just let them wither away? Yes, I did. Did. Christy. Yep, they died. Now I know better. Yeah. Because I've been taking care of these. And when we come back, we'll talk all about how to plant them and how to water them and mulch them and prune them. Bada bing, bada boom. Come in. Mother Goose, Meredith Houston Smythe is back with more poems for the new edition of Mother Goose's Nursery Rhymes. Oh, dear. I suppose we have to let her in. Of course we do. In Mother Goose Land, all are welcome. Please come in, Miss Houston Smythe. Thank you, Jill. And hello, Miss Goose. Hello, Miss Houston Smythe. Please sit down. There are round brown things on the chair. Oh, that! <laughs> Mary's little lamb was here. Just brush them away. I'm not touching that. Perhaps the bench, then. It looks slimy on the bench. Oh, <laughs> that little Jack Horner. That's just plum pop from his thumb. I'll be standing for our meeting. All right. So, you have some submissions. Yes. I was inspired by your reference to upside-down tulips at our last meeting. Shall I begin my poem? If you must. I mean, of course. Please start, begin. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you. This is called Eunuchs in Tunics. Eunuchs in Tunics? Eunuchs in tunics and Romans in togas. Pioneers driving west in their large conestogas. Scotsmen in kilts, feeling quite airy. And farmers pumping udders to sell to the dairy. Everyone wants to garden. So take your seedlings, let them harden. And if you make a mistake, beg their pardon. And if you kill the plant and it no longer lives... Just remember that the garden, it always forgives. I got that last bit from Upside Down Tulips based on your recommendation. Did you? Did you also try gardening using their advice? Oh, no. I simply won't garden as I was traumatized last year. Everything died or was stunted in some awful way. How big was your garden? About an acre. An acre? Oh, that explains so many things. I think you should start again, but start small. Really small. I have an idea. Meredith, won't you take this houseplant? It's a peace lily. 
It's a beautiful blooming plant that if you forget to water it, the leaves will droop as if it's frowning. Water it and it stands straight up and tall. Take it as a gift from us. May it lead you back to gardening. That is so very kind. Thank you. Oh, look, the leaves are drooping. I'm going straight home and watering it. Maybe I'll plant it outside eventually. Thank you so much. How good of you, Jill. Reminding us that growing something is the answer to many of the problems in Mother Gooseland and beyond. That's right. Grow something, everybody. So if somebody got you a rose for Mother's Day. Yeah. How do you plant it? In the ground. Oh, this, is, oh, this is not a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> okay. one, and that's one point for Edith. Thank you. <laughs> the first thing to do is to find the right spot for it. Look around your yard to see what is going to get six to eight hours of sunlight daily. Mm-hmm. They should be planted in well-drained soil. That is rich in organic matter. So this just sounds like just a regular plant, doesn't it, Edith? It does indeed. Uh-huh. If you live in a hot climate, so I'm going to say if you live in zone 789, it might be a good idea that you find a place where they are shaded by the afternoon sun. Also, don't be put off by the fact that your uh, ground soil should have a lot of organic matter. If it doesn't, you can amend it. You can put it in the hole. And also... Um, there's some really good fertilizers you can use, which we will get to in a minute, that are in your kitchen right now. Yeah, and don't forget about compost to amend your soil. Yeah. Right. If you live in a colder climate, plant a rose bush next to a south or west-facing fence or wall can help minimize winter freeze damage. Oh, that's good. If you that's have good. the option. Uh-huh. Good to know. Uh, the time is important for when you plant roses. Roses are best planted in the spring after the last frost. So in most parts of the country, that is right now. Uh-huh, right now. Get it's yourself right a rose now. and plant it. Mm -hmm. Or you can also plant roses in the fall. At least six, six weeks. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> At least six weeks before your average first frost. So when you plant them in the fall, can does that count? Does that go for both bare root and the potted ones as well? That's a very interesting point. I have no idea. Okay, good. We'll find out. If you do plant early enough in the fall, it gives the roots enough time to get established before the plants go dormant. Uh -huh. So I just don't think you want leaves to be starting on a bare... I, I don't even know if you could even get a bare root in the fall. That's a good point. Christine. It's the nurseries would, wouldn't have them, uh -huh. and you probably could even, couldn't even get them online. Okay, good point. But you could get some cheap rose plants from the nursery that they just want to... Right. Get them on sale. Right. So keep right. your eye out. Good, good. And around August, you know, September, August for some roses and you get a deal on them. Oh, yeah. I have this right here. Bare root roses are typically available only in the spring. Yeah, I wrote this. You see? You see yeah. how you knew? And you should plant them as soon as you get them. We've said this before, and it's good to say it again, which is that when you're planting plants, dig a $50 hole for a $5 plant. So make sure that the hole is deep enough and wide enough to accommodate the plant's roots. The area should have good drainage because roses don't like wet feet. Put in a generous amount of compost or peat moss or other organic matter or soil. 
and use some of this to mix in the bottom of the hole and place the rose bush in the hole. The interesting thing is that every rose will have a little knobby section to it. Yeah. And this is where it's been grafted. Most roses have been grafted onto another, to a rootstock. I didn't know that. This little knob, where if it goes above the ground or below the ground, depends on where you live. If you live in colder climates, it should go a couple inches below the ground. To protect it. Okay. That's right. If you live in warmer climates, maybe that's 789, uh-huh. zone 789, uh-huh. plant the little knob above the soil line. Oh, that's great. That is really good to know. If I were ever going to buy roses again, I will remember that. Fill the hole partially with soil <laughs> mixture, and then you can add some fertilizer. Now, Edith, you said you had some recipes for some fertilizer? I do. Stuff that's in your kitchen right now. Okay, so, for example, roses love the tannic acid that occurs in tea. Mm, oh. Tea bags. If you are a tea drinker... Yes, I am. Just take out your tea bag, slit it open, and... Put it around your uh, rose bush. So easy, right? Plus, tea leaves make the soil porous and create a favorable environment. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Like I do I do the uh, coffee grounds, uh-huh. but I don't know if that's a good thing because all I found was tea. You know, I do know that we have really alkaline soil here, uh-huh. and roses prefer a more acidic soil. So maybe that's why the... Yeah. The, the, okay. Yeah, maybe that is why. Here's the other thing. They need calcium so that they can build uh-huh. strong eggshells. Eggshells, you can put eggshells almost anywhere in the garden. It keeps slugs away. And also, if you put it in the ground, it's like it's like giving it a drink of milk, right? Yeah. So <laughs> that's a good thing. Everybody has Egg milk. that. Egg milk. (laughs) (laughs) So just crush a few of them and put them around the base of your plant or put them in the hole. Ripe banana peels are wonderful for roses because roses love potassium and bananas have so much potassium, which is why we eat them so we don't get the cramps and stuff. Can you just grind them up, you think? You, there's all kind of things you can do. You can grind them into a smooth paste. Because what if you didn't grind them and somebody slipped on it and then fell on the thorns? You know what? <laughs> that is such an unlikely scenario. But okay. Uh, but it brings up a good point. If you don't want to grind them, since they're easily compostable, mm-hmm. you can put them in your garden. You can put them, lay them around. And if you don't want to get critters, put... Uh, Cardboard on top of it. Ah. But I would probably put them under the ground, cover them a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That's what I would do. Because a critter could be smart and get underneath that cardboard. What about fish bones? Fish, you could put, yes, <laughs> fish bones. Oh, fish bones. Fish bones. Okay. You can bury fish bones. Okay, I thought you said fish bums, and I wasn't or quite sure. Or fish bum. No, the, the bum will have rotted off. What's left is the bone. Okay. And hopefully we'll be yeah. in the fish fish's bone. Oh, that's good. So after you've put in fish bones, bananas, eggshells, and tea, and tea, <laughs> yes. water thoroughly and finish filling the hole with the remaining soil, and then water again and tamp it down. And if you're planting several rose bushes together, you probably want to give them about three feet apart. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. And you should fertilize regularly. Roses love to eat. So you know, you know I what? do it twice a year. Do you, mo- you know how we talked about fish emulsion? Uh-huh. That's what these bones are, fish bones. Perfect. They're fish emulsion. The soil should be kept evenly moist throughout the growing season. 
And their frequency will just kind of depend on what kind of soil you have and what it looks like around there. But roses do best with about an inch of rainfall per week. Oh, wow. If you if you grow in sandy soils, they'll need more water. But I tell you this, is that I don't give my roses any special water. I just think they've just been so established. I think they're so old. Okay. That they're they've just adapted. happy. Yeah, they've they, adapted. They've adapted. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, they want to live, right? So they yeah. will do everything they yeah. can. Now, it, did you know it's almost impossible to kill a rose bush by over pruning? Yes, because I have done these things. <laughs> <laughs> like I think said, things are so precious, and it really it's not that no, hard. You can't kill them, folks. Yeah. The major, I tried. The you major can't. pruning you should do is in early spring, way after your last frost date. Here, it's supposed to be May seventh, but it really was. Uh huh. Like last week. Last week. Last like, week. Like May fifteenth. So you got to keep an eye on your weather, but. For all roses, just start by removing anything that's dead or damaged or things that look brown or even that white gray. That cane is Okay, let me ask you something. Sometimes a cane looks dead until you get a couple inches from the bottom and then it's green. Yeah, that'll grow back. So don't cut that off. Right, yeah. Okay. Or cut off the dead part or just Cut off the dead part. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Cut off the dead part and it'll... Shoot off in another way. Yeah, you're not going to make a mistake. In fact, you can lightly prune also your roses all year round if you wanted to. Okay. Um, some varieties will even rebloom and require deadheading to encourage reblooming. So that's kind of fun. I do that. I do that. Yeah. I do. And with climbing roses, you don't prune back. What you do is you pull out like a, all the dead canes way down to the bottom. And so usually it's about a third of the plant every year that'll be a dead cane and you got to get in there and cut them off from the base of the plant. Yeah. My, don't my, cut yeah. back. Don't trim back your climbing roses or no. you're just going to cut off all of the, the flowers. Just cut off those big dead canes that look like dead wood. Yeah. They look petrified. Yeah. And you know, a weird thing that happened to me with roses is that I went out to my climbers one year and one of the canes had fallen over onto the ground, just kind of like bent over because of the winter, you know, the snow had just kind of bent the, the plant over. Uh-huh. Yeah. And when I went onto the spring to pull it up, it had rooted into the ground. Wow. So then I cut the whole thing off and I moved it to a different part of the yard. And now it's a beautiful climbing rose in another spot. Wow. And a climbing rose I have in the backyard, it sent up a shoot maybe about two feet away from the mother plant. So I'm going to dig that up and and cut off if there's any connection to it and move that to another spot. Wow. So I'm going to have a lot of roses That's happening. That's great. I didn't know you could do that. Okay. Now, roses are so beautiful. They're the queen of the garden. So people like to chew on them. They chew on roses? Yeah. Bugs. The petal. Oh, oh. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like Japanese beetles. Yes. Love the roses. Yeah. What can people do, Edith? Well, everything that I've ever read, and this is from agricultural extensions from universities, say they can do very little. Honestly. Get out there and get a bucket of soapy water and knock them in. The the people have those bags that are supposed to, they say, put that in a neighbor's yard because all that will do is invite them to your yard. Oh, the bags that will attract them. Yes, yes. the bags of trust. So don't do that. Uh, literally, there's almost nothing you can do. There's one product called Grub Gone. It's 10 pounds for $70. And nowhere except on their website did I read that it worked. Every other <laughs> website <laughs> that I read said, you know what? They're here to stay. So get out there and manually put them in because you don't want to, 
you don't want to spray them and kill them and hurt your other insects and hurt your bees. You don't want to do that. There's one spray you can use, though, Edith, and that is water. Water to spray them off. And that yeah. also works for aphids. Instead of just reaching for the chemical, yeah. first, please, folks, try a good hard spray of water. Yeah. That knocks them off, makes them go someplace else. Yeah. They'll get mad and they'll leave. Uh, can I say something about the, the mildew and the black spots yeah, now? Okay. Because yeah, yeah. this is another organic. Um, you take one teaspoon of baking soda and a few drops of liquid soap in one liter of water and spray the solution on the affected plants. Now, by liquid soap, not uh, automatic dishwashing soap, mm. only the stuff that you do by hand because the other stuff is too. The other stuff will take the wax off the rose and off. Okay. Yeah, it, the, the other stuff will kill everything. Oh, dear. So make sure it is not a laundry detergent, not a dishwasher detergent, not scented. And this is not, for black spot. This is for black spots and mildew. And black spot, oh, and powdery mildew. So yes. black spot is a fungal disease, and you'll know you have it if you have circular brown or black spots on the top sides of your leaves. And powdery mildew, you know, you'll have because, well, one, it becomes white and powdery. Yeah. And they'll also, they'll curl up, the leaves will curl and twist a little bit. And yeah. that can be because you're watering the nose and not the toes. Oh. Plants, plants like to be watered at the at toes the, mm -hmm, and at, not at the nose. So sometimes people think, oh, we should water the whole thing. No. Water the toes, never the nose. The base, water low. Go low. That's what you want to do. Go low. And so, that's roses. I hope everybody plants some. If you want to, don't feel pressure. We're not pressuring anybody. Oh, no. Christy. <laughs> you must plant roses. You have to. Every yard should have a rose or two in it. They give you so much. Oh. Here comes the music. Here it is. Here comes the mail. It's ring, time ring. for a mailbag. Uh, uh, ring, ring. I was too anxious. Ring, ring. Hey, our letter this week comes from another country. Oh. It says, hi, Edith and Christy. I am from Colombia, and many people go by moon phases to plant and harvest. Remember, we did the whole thing about moon gardens. That's one of the how you're going to plant your garden uh -huh, this year, part aren't of it. You? Uh huh. Especially in rural areas, they plant by the moon. The moon calendar is widely used for the right day to cut your hair as well. Christy, look at my hair. Uh huh. It has been nine weeks since I've had it cut, and I looked up the date. It was waning. The moon was waning uh -huh. when I had it cut. Usually it grows an inch a month. I had my daughter measure like from the blonde streak to the root. Uh-huh. It's grown an inch and a half in nine weeks. In nine weeks? Yes. And I did it while the moon was waning. That's really interesting, isn't it? So if you get your hair cut on a, when the moon is waxing, so when the moon is getting bigger, uh -huh. your hair will grow faster and longer. That's right. That's right. That's the theory. And I read a couple of things to back that up, plus my own experience. And your vegetable garden will do well. They say it, root vegetables, plant root vegetables when the moon is waning and things that grow up like corn when it's waxing. Let's do it. Okay. Moon garden. All right, folks. If you have gardening questions, stories, you want to tell us about your successes, your flops, do you like roses? Do you hate roses? Are roses attacking you? Do roses <laughs> give you joy? 
Write to us at UpsideDownTulips at Gmail or on our website at UpsideDownTulips.com or check out the show notes. And now it's time for this week's inspiration brought to you by Christy Montor Larson. <laughs> this is from former First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. I once had a rose named after me and I was very flattered. But I was not pleased to read the description in the catalog. No good in a bed, but fine up against a wall. <laughs> oh my gosh, you gotta love Eleanor. <laughs> I don't know how it's, it's inspiring to me, Edith. Oh, that's so good. Hey, everybody. <laughs> we hope you like that, too. And thank you so much for listening. We are Edith Weiss and Christy Montour Larson. Did you get some laughs and value out of Upside Down Tulips this time? If so, do us a favor, would ya? Please share the show with a friend who might also appreciate it. Thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. If you would like to hear more of Denise's amazing music, go to denisegentilini.com or you can find that link at upsidedowntulips.com. And a hearty thank you to our talented and kind friends, Jury Hinshaw and Catherine Gray. And a special thanks to our local nursery and friend of the show, Southwest Gardens. Join us next week for an episode made entirely of our funny pod plays and fake commercials. Don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Upside down to lips. How do roses reproduce? How? They thornicate. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! <laughs>